Welcome to the Restoration Church podcast, Behind the Sermon, where we get to sit in on a conversation between our pastors and hear about what they're learning, what they're teaching, and what God is doing throughout our church. Enjoy the podcast. Welcome to the Behind the Sermon podcast. I'm Pastor Nate, joined here by Pastor Elisa. How are you today? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. good. I, I've, I've got a, a little bit of a headache, but that shouldn't disrupt us too much. Hopefully it'll be gone before meetings tonight. Um, I feel like maybe it's a little bit of allergies. I feel a little bit of a, uh, something in my head. But Yep. Well, we're entering this on the same page because my head isn't feeling the greatest today either. So. <laughs> well, that's good. Yeah. Well, it's good to be back on the podcast. I, I listened to every episode while I was gone. And um, glad to be back in today. I was glad to be preaching Sunday. And and uh, I think ultimately I was pretty proud of myself because I hadn't preached in a while, but still didn't go long, which is always yeah. a fear. Uh, when I come back, like, I'm going to talk too long. So I was I was glad for that. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. How was your trip? Uh, it was good. We... Um, we did a week of camping. We went to General Council and National Fine Arts in Ohio, and those were great. It was a great, um, yeah, a great time at that event. And uh, yeah, it was good. That's awesome, that's awesome. I loved hearing the uh, the testimonies of of some of your kids of what they got from was it National Youth Convention and um, yeah, yeah, that's that's awesome. Um, so could you share a little bit about what, what Asher's experience was like? I know he, he really felt it on his heart to, to share and to pray for the, the speaker, <laughs> like the national speaker. And somehow he, he made his way to do that. <laughs> um, I wasn't at the service that night. So it was like, I don't know, between seven and 10,000 people, probably the seven to 10,000 at that service so it's in the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets um, NHL arena the um, nationwide arena this year anyway and next year it'll be there too and so we ended up catching pieces of the story as the day went by uh, the next day Tuesday and then probably by Wednesday we had figured it all out so when he was at the service he felt God tell him to pray for the speaker that night. So he meandered his way through the crowd and got up to the security barricades and told the security guy, security guy told him, no, I think he went and found another one. They told him no. And then honestly, I think he just busted through the security gate. Like if I, if I am collecting the story, he said something and just walked past. So I think I'm not condoning that behavior, but I'm trying to, uh, there's still pieces of, of the story that I don't have all figured out. That so is some sick determination. Some, somehow, eventually he got someone to bring over Doug Clay, who's in the national, the, the, the national superintendent for the assemblies of God and brought him over and asked her, like, are you the speaker tonight? And he said, yeah, he says, I God told me to pray for you. So, he prayed for the guy and then went back behind security and continued on with the service. So Wednesday night, is that right? Or Tuesday night? It's hard to remember. It's all a blur. 
but we were at a dinner and Doug Clay walked by and Asher waved at him and then Doug stopped and thanked him for praying for him and then continued on where he was going. Yeah, so that was that. That is just the coolest that thing. story as much as I figured it out. Yeah, that's the coolest thing. I was so excited to hear that. That was so awesome. And then Benaya yeah. had an amazing experience as well. So last week we we talked about the next generation within our sermon. Um, Pastor Victoria did a phenomenal job with that. And it was just so cool to see um, Benaya take what he got from the National Youth Convention. And he really feels, if I'm getting this correct, God spoke to him that he's going to be starting a ministry within his school, right? Yeah, I think him and his friend, I, they might have started a Bible study last year. Uh, at the school, but I think they started it, but the teacher is like running it. So he yeah. really wants to start a Youth Alive Bible study at the school. Yeah. So that's what he was communicating about in that video that he's feeling led to do that, to start an additional Bible study, or at least try to get leadership back over the that other Bible study. So they have material to use and they can use it to invite friends. And uh, right now it seems to just be very um, Christian focused. And so there's not an outreach component to it. So he, um, yeah, he's feeling led. He's feeling led to do that. That's amazing. Yeah. Awesome. I know that is a bit off topic of, of what our sermon was this week, but I just thought that was so cool to share with everybody else. If, uh, we learned so much through that sermon that was preached last Sunday, and it's just so cool to see a couple testimonies of the next generation really stepping out of their comfort zone and stepping up to what God has asked them to do and just roll with it and, and serve with everything that they have. So I just love that so much and think that's so encouraging for everybody else to be able to really hear that, that evidence that this is truly what God wants for us. He is truly what he wants for our church. So. Yeah. My boys are awesome. I mean, they're not perfect. I always say that, but they are awesome. They're amazing. They are inspirations to me and to many others. Um, you know, at National Youth Convention, and there's a lot of people there. There were 17,000 people there for National Youth Convention General Council. And it seems like by the end of it, you, you know, it feels like my boys know everybody and everybody knows my boys. Um, making friends. They raised money for Kingdom Builders for Speed the Light while we were there. Um, they... I don't know. They 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 walk in an anointing that leaves me mind boggled. Yeah. Um. And you know, we so we bragged about Benai. There's more to brag about him. Just amazing leader and influencer. Abram felt called to ministry at summer camp a couple of weeks ago, and I'll probably share that from the stage here a little bit. Yeah. Um, but he's been on a Bible reading plan. So he yeah. summer camp ended and he, we were, we ended up camping together, him and I, for a couple of nights the next week. And he's like, yeah, I started this Bible reading plan to read the Bible in 30 days. And so like, that's amazing. And so he shows me, I don't know how many 
you essentially had to practically finish the book of Genesis on, on day one, or it took him two days to go through Genesis. And so he just started doing it. I don't know. He's on day 24 now and he's on, he's on track. He's, he's, he, so he's going to read through the entire Bible here as an eighth grader. Um, he's going to finish it in six or seven more days. It's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, You've always been so humble with your kids. You know, you've, you, you've always been so open and honest and vulnerable that, that your family is, is a normal family. You know, you're not over glorified because you're a pastor and, and, and your family, you know, um, you've always been humble about them, but truly your kids, your, your family, they're just so, so awesome. Um, and you know, our, our dream for all of our, our kids is that our serving and our leading that whatever we do in our lifetime, that our, um, what's that, what's that phrase? Our ceiling will be their floor, right? So, yeah, you know, and, and I just see that so much already with your kids because they just have this, this dream and this passion and these gifts at such a young age that they're already utilizing. So, um, I truly believe that you know, for, for your family and for other families within our church that, you know, all of the investments we pour into our kids now, man, may, may our ceiling be their floor. May they lead farther and greater than, than our two feet have ever walked. So, you know, I'm just praying for that now over, over your kids as they continue to follow in God's leading. And, you know, for Benias, he, he steps out into this new journey at school and, <laughs> reading the whole Bible in a month for a kid. It's just the the craziest. So that is so cool. Thank you for yeah. sharing all that. Yeah, no problem. I think Benaiah's on track too. He just, he started his like a week after. Um, and yeah, I've been catching the other two little guys, even the nine-year-old picking up the tablet and listening yep. to the Bible plan. You know, I honestly, I honestly don't brag about my kids enough. But that week at general council, I mean, it's just, I was just in awe yeah. of them. Their interactions with people, the people who are interacting with them. And uh, I was just, <laughs> yeah, that's good stuff. Good stuff. And uh, Pastor Victoria did an amazing job. It's such a great message. Yeah, she sure did. And praying that it just deepens into, into our church and, Absolutely. This series has been incredible. This is the the second time. Is it the second time within this year that we've, we've really launched into being like Jesus? I think it's the third. Okay. Uh, I I have to tell you, I haven't heard greater feedback from any sermon series like this one. Like everybody that I talk to that this is, is their probably one of their all time favorite series that we've ever done as a church. Um, and I, I haven't heard anything negative about it. <laughs> um, That's good. Glad everybody's on the same page with just wanting to learn more about Jesus, be more like Jesus, be his hands and feet. So it's a great sermon series that we've launched into. Um, and you, you gave a great word yesterday about our worship. Well, I appreciate that. I, I was looking it up. I guess maybe it is the second one. Oh no, we did. Um, January, 
So we started off with Become Like Jesus. Then we did three weeks of Pray Like Jesus and a week of Dream Like Jesus. Then in March, we started again, Obey Like Jesus, Forgive Like Jesus, Trust Like Jesus, uh, Be Free Like Jesus. That was the Easter message. So now we're jumping back into it. Essentially, Pastor Dennis talked about bold boldness like Jesus. Walk like Jesus, value the next gen like Jesus, worship like Jesus. We're back into it the end of October. Um, And I think we go from the end of October through the end of the year in like Jesus. So that's like. 11 weeks in a row to finish out the year. That's amazing. Like Jesus, that could change, but that's what's written down anyway right now. So cool. Yeah. So worship, I, I think I was originally when I wrote it down, I was going to go a little bit different direction. You know, one of the verses that I had highlighted was in Mark 14. And um, it's after the Last Supper, and it says they broke bread, and then Jesus and the disciples sang a hymn, sang hymns together, and then ventured off. And it was that idea, like we don't think about Jesus singing, um, worshiping together, and so that was kind of the idea I was going to go on, and then just talk about like, which I maybe hit a little bit. But the whole message was going to be about the ways we worship that aren't singing. And then, obviously, that's not what I preached about. But but let's talk about that for a little bit. Yeah. If you want to, uh, Pastor. What are, I'm certain you've heard that. Maybe you've even said it. That worship, not just about singing, we worship in other avenues. But have you, did you ever, you ever had any? teaching of that on that growing up or read anything about that that ever stuck with you? Um, yeah, absolutely. That has kind of been something that's been on my heart, especially for the past few years. Cause, um, when I first really started diving into my own faith in, in God, worship has been probably the top of, of, what I've been passionate about, which only makes sense at this point because I've been worship leading for, for a long time at this point. Um, and it's been amazing, but I've always loved music. I've always loved what that does. Um, and I've, I've loved how God speaks to me through music. Um, but even within the, the past few years, the way that worship hit me in the beginning of my faith, as far as, as being so actively involved in, in music it it doesn't quite hit me the same now as much as my time spent with God does. So I loved what you talked about yesterday with diving in heart first, because now in my walk with God, I can't really imagine worship being any different than that. Um, we, we love singing. We love, we love the music. We love, you know, it, it brings out a passion in us. However, worship is so much more than just 
the music that's played. It's it's how God speaks to our heart, how we how we honor Him with our heart and and with everything that we have. Um, so, yeah, you you kind of listed off a bunch of different things yesterday of, of ways that we can worship God without singing. So through our giving, through our fellowship with each other, through our relationships. Um, and I loved that so much because it, you know, parents for how, how you raise your children, how, how you steward your household and you steward your children. That's a form of worship to God. Um, married couples, the way that you love your spouse, the way that, um, you guys share in, in that together is a form of worship. So, um, that's that's not necessarily something that I really considered much growing up, but now that I'm really, really diving in with with Jesus and my faith with Him and what that looks like behind closed doors and stuff like that, you know, um, that's definitely something that I've been diving into more. We try to make we try to make um, things seem not spiritual. And I think that's a mistake. You, you know, fasting is spiritual, but feasting is not spiritual. Or, you know, sharing a meal together. Like, oh, yeah, we just hung out and ate together. Well, no, that's a spiritual, a spiritual to, to share that common bond. And I think we end up missing out. And we end up missing out on a lot of the goodness of God because we think that spiritual is somber, spiritual is candles. Spiritual is antique and anything new, fun, adventurous. Well, that can't be worshiped because you liked it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I just think that's a, I don't know where, if that's just an American thing from the Puritans. Um, but I think about like, you know, when we went to Africa in February, I don't know how long they sang because they always bring us to the church service after it already started. And I can't figure out why, but we get there, they're singing. They kept singing for an hour. Does that feel like that? Oh, Maybe longer. At least it was such a long service. An hour. They did one slow song that entire hour. And we would say in our culture, well, that wasn't worship. We just did praise songs. That wasn't worship. And so right. even now, the tempo of the music we're disqualifying it as worship. So worship is slow, somber, quiet, yep. meditative, and that's it. That's the only thing that worship is. And man, that you're that's why people hate church and mm-hmm. and disconnect well, one of the reasons why people disconnect from God because they just think he's an old grandma. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I, I just think that sometimes we, we think that God is kind of placing us in a box without, without saying that in our minds, but what is worship? Worship is honor to God. Is he placing us in a box of, of this is the only way that you can honor me? Absolutely not. Like he, he's called us to worship him and to honor him with our lives with our marriages, with what we put in our bodies, with the things that he's given us, with our voices, with our gifts, the the list could go on endlessly. He wants us to worship him and honor him with everything that we have. But I think as a culture, you're, 
you're so right. We've, we've kind of placed what worship looks like in a box or, you know, what, what we consider spiritual and not spiritual Um, growing up. I can't tell you how many times I um, told other people almost in a way to, I think, to get them to accept me and and my faith a little bit more, or maybe even to make them think that I'm not a weird Christian or something like that. But like, you know, I'm a Christian. We we can involve God in, in certain areas of our life, but we don't have to place God in every aspect of our life. Like sometimes things are just part of life. Sometimes things are just practical. Sometimes you know, when we, when we go to work or when we go to the store, these are all practical things that are part of our lives. And, and we've kind of taken out the spiritual in those aspects. But when we do that, we're eliminating ourselves to be available to what God has asked us to do. And whatever we're doing is worshiped for him. So if I go to the cashier at the store and anticipate that to not be a spiritual moment, then I can miss out on God's voice and God's cue of you were supposed to talk to that person or just invite them to church, or you were supposed to simply tell them they look nice today and you hope they have a great day because their day was awful. And you have, you didn't know that. So like um, taking the spiritual out, out of our practical world is eliminating God from being able to work with us the way that he truly wants to. Yeah. I heard an amazing message while I was gone by Glenn Barrett. He's a, a pastor in England and he was talking about the scripture in God, in God, and all the different times it's supposed to be in God. And the original language is like entheos, which is where we get our English word enthusiasm. Um, so to be in God denotes enthusiasm and the things that we're enthusiastic about are things that can become areas of great worship for mm-hmm. us. So we were in John chapter four and talking through the Samaritan woman. Uh, well, at least taking a portion of that interaction and talking through worship. So the key scripture was the time is coming. Indeed, it's here now when true worshipers will worship the father. In spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those who will worship him in that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So I just go through the, the four things that I pointed out from the scripture, and then we can talk about any of those you want to, or talk about something that, that you thought of. Uh, first thing, God wants everyone to worship him. He's talking with a lady with a past, with a reputation. The lady is not fully Jewish and teaching her about worship. Second, posture is more important than place because they're talking about it's not going to matter whether you worship on the mountain or in Jerusalem because that's not what God's looking. He's not looking for you to show up at a place. He's looking for your heart. Third, worship is spiritual. Um, and, uh, you know, worship in spirit so how do how do we do that? What does it look like? And I talked about um, grown men crying through the service. And when the service was done, I had two friends come to church yesterday for the first time, to our church yesterday for the first time. And one of them said about the other, he was one of those grown men you were talking about. He was crying through the whole service. I'm like, that's amazing. 
but yeah, something spiritual. It's not just a ritual. It's not just Gregarian chants. It's spiritual. And then the fourth, if it isn't truth, it isn't worship. And then making sure that who we're worshiping is not something we've created that we've given the name of God, but that we're worshiping the one true God. Any of those you want to talk through, or there is something else in the scripture that you picked up or something you've learned along the way that you want to share? Sure. Um, I just loved what you, what you said about um, your posture is more important than your place. You know, how often do we try and dictate where we're supposed to worship or what that place is supposed to look like or, or what our time spent with God is supposed to look like? It doesn't matter where you're at. You can still worship him. You can still honor him. You can still spend your time with him. And I loved, I loved that. What was kind of your heart going into that? Um, I think some of that was the connection with Pastor Dennis's message a few weeks ago. Um, because there was a Holy of Holies. The curtain got torn down. Uh, and so now the presence of God is living within every believer and then trying to break that American superstition of the church building and trying to just continually break that down. It's a building. It's a building. It's a tool. It's a tool. And yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think so often, uh, there's a lot of different churches and a lot of different people who have, you know, the, the belief that the church building kind of can't be tainted in any way. I just went to a wedding this weekend and um, no disrespect for, for these people or these leaders whatsoever. Um, but I, it actually, the encounter with, with some of those people made me so more thankful for, for kind of how we value our, our things at, at our church um, what kind of happened is, is it's this beautiful old church. All right. With a lot of old things that are, um, I'm, I'm talking like one of those things they didn't want moved because it was from the 1800s. I couldn't understand more for that. You know, I, I get that right. <laughs> those things are so, so valuable. However, I just can't imagine being, they, they were just so on edge because there were so many kids running around. They didn't want anything to be broken. And I understand that, but I'm, I'm also so thankful that, you know, maybe in our church, we don't, we don't have all of the oldest stuff. And you even preached on, on that a little bit of, of, we don't have the, the oldest, most, um, most valuable things that I've ever walked through time, but you know, um, our, our hearts are, are for, for the kids and for the people. And, and, you know, we, we steward God, not with, with all of those high end things, as much as we we value you know ev- everything else all the people and all the kids and stuff like that so you know i think people can so easily get caught up in um the value of different items and different things and you can still steward the lord well with those things but um it shouldn't take away from the people it shouldn't take away from the ministry and you know when we do that, we, we can miss out on opportunities to speak what God wants us to speak. Or, you know, she could have missed out on, op- on an opportunity to just get to know some of those kids. But instead, she was like, 
no, 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 don't touch that. That's 50,000 years old, you know? So, yeah. um, yeah. It, just looking through the other the other stuff go ahead what happens is you can get stuck in time you know i i've been to churches and you know someone donated this bench and so it's in there with a plaque on it and you can't get rid of it because so and so donated it like well it doesn't function anymore it's not useful anymore cultures change now it's just not helping us reach people well this building now exists to house all these things with plaques on it. And that's that. Um, so my, my favorite thing that you, you really talked through with that is jump in heart first because worship is spiritual. If it is spiritual, then jump in heart first. I love that so much. And then you were, um, you were talking about, uh, like what, it, what would happen if a bunch of fifth graders <laughs> led worship? What would that look like? You know, it would probably be loud, a little screechy, many of them off pitch because they just want to sing and be a part of it. They're not paying attention to any else, you know? And so often we can, we can miss what God is, is doing and we can miss an opportunity to worship him. When I was um, a little, not, not a little kid. I was in, I was in high school at one of my churches. Um, we led worship in the service and um i'm not saying it was great but you could definitely tell that the people felt that too (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know there there were some people who loved it you know and i i think more people said that they were they were blessed than than kind of we anticipated based on their faces and their physical responses to that um but i think other people walked into that service just Oh, the kids are leading worship. I'm not going to get anything today, but they're going to have some fun. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't ever want to treat it that way because we miss out on opportunities. Yesterday I shared with the church at the end of, of service because that, you know, that, that one phrase you said really, really spoke to me when we went to Africa in February, we walked into the service and there was this woman who was leading worship. Um, obviously we can't understand a word she's saying because they're singing in Swahili. So there's already a barrier. And honestly, I, th- I think, I think I walked in with more walls than I would like to admit that eventually God just broke down and, and helped me to realize, you know, it, it doesn't matter if you can't understand you're on, on different ends of the world, different languages, but you still have one voice to worship God together. Um, and you can honor honor him, whether you understand each other or not. So she starts singing worship and, and leading, and she just starts sobbing while she's singing. Like every every word she is singing is a sob. So at that point, you know it's it's a beautiful sight, but maybe not what we classify as a beautiful sound because she's just she's just sobbing. But I. I just remember standing there in, in that room and not being able to understand her, but I was weeping with her. And I look over at Pastor John and he's just losing it. <laughs> um, but it was just so beautiful. And when I walk in just anticipating to watch, you know, I'm not going to understand anything. I'm not going to get anything out of this, but it'll be a cool experience. No, man, I'm I'm so thankful that God kind of broke that wall down for me to help me to realize 
you know, it's, it's not about understanding. It's not about the best sound or anything like that. And then I just kind of shared with them about the kids in the orphanage. You walk into one of their worship services. Again, you don't understand them, but you could just, you can just tell by the way that they worship um, Elizabeth. You know, you you look at her and the way that she worships. She's her head straight up to the sky, eyes closed, and she's just worshiping her heart out. And you can just tell the passion that she has for Christ through the way that she worships. Um, yeah. And I shared, I I went deaf in one ear for a little while after that service because their their sound is so loud. And it's so piercing. <laughs> I just told the church, I'm like, they don't need cute like we do, all right? It is so loud. But you could probably hear their worship for for like a mile across town, you know? Um, but he, here we are as a church, and, and we walk in, in, into the service, and we say, oh, maybe this worship leader doesn't sound the best. Or, or maybe um, we like this worship leader better when they sing. Or... Um, maybe it's too loud or it's, it's not loud enough. You know, we, we put all of these barriers in what worship looks like, but if worship is truly spiritual, we're, we shouldn't be focusing solely on those things and we should be diving in heart first and not with our own judgments and anticipations. Um, and, you yeah, know, I, I think I, that's I a, I think that's a spirit, a spiritual maturity issue. I think as you grow in spiritual maturity, you can worship Jesus no matter the circumstance. You know, I think about when when I was immature, which, you know, 20 years ago, five years ago, it, you, you know, like you get in a worship service and the, the band's not good. The worship leader's not good. And you're like, oh, my word, I have to stand here for the next. And then you realize they're not going to be done in 20 minutes. It's going to go an hour. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't want to yeah. be here. And. And dealing with that attitude, I just had to learn. I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to pray in the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk to Jesus. I'm going to bless him. And then when I can, I'm going to sing along. And yeah. I'll sing my own songs if the music's loud enough. Um, and I think that's a, you, you know, you have teenagers who can't do it. You end up with young adults who can't do it. You end up with old people who can't do it. I can't do it. They sing songs. Yeah. And um, but it's not, again, it's not for us or him. Absolutely. Yeah. And he loves it. He loves it no matter how terrible we are. If our heart's in it, he loves it. Yeah, that's right. Yep. I've, I've been that, that way in so many different areas of my life, you know, and I, I think music, you know, as, as a musician or as a singer, so we're a pain in the butt sometimes because <laughs> we go into it. And we know what we want our worship service to look like, or we have our expectations that we come in with. And I can't tell you how many times I go into a worship service and be like, oh, that guitar played a, a wrong note. And it's it's we're just so quick to notice different things and to notice the flaws. Um, and I have to cast myself so, so often, so much more than I would like to admit. <laughs> um, you know, having to, having to check myself, check my heart, because... Um, you know, we don't want it to be a judgment. We're not, we're not judging, right? No, it's, I I think we judge so much more often than we would like to admit. And like you said, it's, you know, it really shows off spiritual maturity when we're able to enter a worship service and make it not about us and our expectations. A book that helped me through that, which I maybe read in 
2017 was front row leader by Rob Ketterling, which we probably recommended before, but it's easy to sit on the back row and criticize everything. But that's not what we're called to do. Be on the front row and lead the room. Set the tone for the room. So I can easily be on the back back row with my arms crossed, making fun of everybody. Like, oh, look at them. Look at what they did. Look at how out of date they are. Look how... Um, or I can be on the front row pursuing Jesus and helping others. Now, on the on the same side of it, people think they're worshiping Jesus when they're not because they're like, I love this band. This was amazing. I got goosebumps, but it had nothing to do with Jesus at all. It had to do with it was their favorite song by their favorite band in a big arena. And, you know, like I went and saw Hillsong United in Boston one time. It was awesome. It was so awesome. But was I worshiping him? I'm sure I definitely at times I was, but yeah. not the entire event. I was yeah. a spectator like, oh, I love this song. Yeah. And, and and enjoying it for me, not giving it as a gift to him. And just because we love the music and we love the song and we love the atmosphere and we love the venue, just because we like it, that does not mean we're worshiping either. And yeah. we've got to be able to push past being fanboys yeah. to being fans of Jesus and him and him only. Yep, absolutely. When um when I started really stepping into um the location pastor role in Plymouth and kind of stepping a little bit out of the worship, um, you know, that that came with people excited for me to step into the pastoral position, but also you know, a little on the sad side that I wouldn't be as involved in worship as I was before. Um, and, you know, I don't, I don't want this to, to call, to call anybody out or make people think that I was upset in, about this in any way. But there, there was always like a couple people whenever I'm off the stage, um, you know, just randomly, not even, not even notorious people, just random people who come up to me and say, um, you know, I, I, I miss you being on the stage. These people are great. I just, I just miss you being on the stage, you know, and they didn't say anything bad about other worship leaders or anything like that. You know, all of our worship leaders are great, but they're like, I just, I really feel the Holy spirit when you sing. (laughs) I always like, I always laugh at that a little bit. I don't know. You know, we always want to do our best to be able to steward, um, God's presence. Well, you know, but, um, I guess transparently that comment is almost a little frustrating sometimes because I don't, I truly, truly don't want it to be about me. And us as worship leaders, as band members, you know, we understand that we have talents and, and, and playing on the band is fun. But for so many of us, the, the greater purpose of, of being able to lead people in worship is so much more special than ever being able to sing or, or play an instrument well, you know? Um, so I, I just, I always wanted as a worship leader for people to not be looking at me or, or to be impressed by, by what I'm doing. I truly want people to, to worship the Lord with all that they have. Um, you know, <laughs> so that's, that's just something I feel like we kind of go, go through from time to time. Mm-hmm. Their their hearts are are great, you know, but I just would love to tell some of those people sometimes. Well, don't listen to me, anyways. You know, listen, 
listen to God, open your heart to him, worship him. Cause it's not about the the great sound. It's about what you can give the Lord in that moment. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Um, the last thing and real quick, and we're probably out of time is um, true worshipers worship in truth. So making sure that who we're worshiping is not a God we've created and put the title God on it, but that we're worshiping the God of the Bible and the challenge right now in culture is to rewrite scripture and redefine who God is. And I think at that point we got to recognize we're not worshiping him. And um, I got this text, someone who's, who's believed in God for a long time um, and, and felt saved by God out of some really horrible situation, you know, 10, 15 years ago, they wrote, I've been living by my God since then. And now I need to start living by the God. So they realized like, hey, they knew God was real, but they just like formulated their ideas and their opinions on who God is, never actually studying to try to find out who God is. I thought that was an amazing takeaway from the message. Yeah, absolutely. Well, any other final thoughts from you, Pastor Lisa? Um, no, I, I don't think so. I, I liked that whole, that whole quote. What was, um, what was kind of the biggest thing that you, you wanted to relay to people through, um, if, if it isn't truth, it is, isn't worship. Um, trying to get people to stop making their own God mm-hmm. or Christians. It, you know, I, I talked about this a number of years ago when we talked about the Andrew Jackson Bible or you know, an, an old joke that's irrelevant now, but cut and paste Bible believing fellowship that you just take the parts of the Bible you like and throw away the parts you don't like. Yes. Um, and trying to get people to stop doing that. Let's wrestle with the tensions of God we don't understand. Let's wrestle with the hard parts that maybe don't fit in with our current culture, but let's keep worshiping him and adjusting and studying and changing who we are, not just, no, God, you're not like that. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, y- you know, and then recreating him into something that is a farce, right? Was this group? They honor me. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far away. Their worship is a farce where they replace God's commands with their own man-made teachings. Yeah. Oh man. How many churches in the Northeast are doing that? Oh Yeah. Honestly, uh, across the whole, the whole country, I, I believe even some of the most places that are so prevalent in God's word and so prevalent in, in the Bible and Christianity and, and worship and all these different things. You know, I, I feel like people are still dictating what they want it to look like rather than truly searching for it for themselves. You know, yeah. it's definitely something we, we deal with in, in New England, but I, I think as a culture. We're just really tiptoeing our way into uh, really losing our focus, I think. Um, there was a church in Massachusetts last year that prayed um, in the pastor's service ending prayer. He said, Mother God. He was like, Dear Mother God or something like that. And it's like, what in what in the world? 
are we doing here? Um, and everybody's like, well, I believe God's this. I believe God's that. Um, and just the, the craziness of what culture is and, and what it's doing. There was another one I, that I thought of, but I can't find audio to it from some church. Again, just trying to redefine. I believe in a non-binary God who whatever, whatever, whatever. And it's like, hey, you can believe whatever you can believe whatever you want. But this scripture right here says their worship is a farce, but they replace God's commands with their own man-made teachings. And uh, man, what a. That's the. If it isn't truth, it isn't worship, but that's the scripture that points that out heavy. Absolutely. Well, listen, uh, any any books on worship that you've come across over the years that have been helpful to you? Um, not too much. You know, I've listened to different different podcasts about worship leading and stuff like that, but um, you know, not, I, do you have any books off the top of your head that, that kind of talks about worship outside of just singing? Like specifically, can you think of anything like that? Not, not that uses the term worship, but things like books like All In or All There by Gail Johnson, um, that talk more about our lives being a living sacrifice and how we participate in God throughout our entire day, not just for a couple of hours a week. All of those are all those are good. Books on surrender. Yeah, lots of things like that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think that's a a great book to to start with for for people who are truly looking and searching how to be a good worshiper or a good follower of Christ is first figure out how you you surrender yourself, your own expectations. Cause I don't think there's really many people that I can think of that doesn't have to enter into learning more about Christ or, or learning more about worship without having to surrender first their own, their own stuff. So. Yeah. So we got worship night on Sunday night, right? Yes, sir. Um, which would be a great night. So let's, Everybody, let's show up, right? You listen to the podcast, let's show up. Let's show up in Milton, not to have a really fun night, but let's show up because, hey, gee, because God, I'm going to, I'm going to just spend some time telling you how great you are. Yep. And let's show up with that motivation and, and bless God. So in Milton, 5 p.m. Sunday night, that's our take home. That's our, that's what we need to do. Be there. Don't miss it. I think most of the people in my church are probably, I'm probably driving them crazy with how much I emphasize that night. Please show up. It's going to be amazing. I can't speak more highly about it. You know, they're probably going a little nuts at this point for how much I emphasize it, but um, be there. You you don't want to miss that night. It's, It's truly amazing. It's an amazing opportunity to give God all that we have. Um, but he also loves us. He wants to bless us in those moments. So as we give God our hearts and our things, 
we can pretty much guarantee and promise you that God will show up in your life. Amen. Well, hey, listen, thanks for being here. Church, thanks for being at church on Sunday. And we start a new series this coming Sunday. And we'll tell you what that is when you get there. Have a great day. Bye.